I want to repeat what Tim Rasko said because it's very true um, that God is good and all the time. Um, thank you so much for, for having me here. I think you guys may have expected Sergi Rusu to be here, but he had an unexpected work trip, so um, he had to be gone for a couple of days, and so I'm here taking his place, but really happy to be here, and I don't think it's a coincidence. Um, today I'd like to share about the blood of Jesus. Before we get into prayer, I'm going to share four points. Uh, number one is that the blood of Jesus, it cleanses us from all sin. Number two is that the blood of Jesus heals us. Number three is that the blood of Jesus saves us. And number four is that the blood of Jesus purchases us. Um, today our Bible reading was on First uh, John chapter 1. And the specific verse that I want to jump into right now is First John chapter 1 verse 7. It says that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So again... The blood of Jesus, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. You know, there may, be, there may be guilt, there may be shame in the things that we have done against God. There may be guilt, there may be shame in the things that we have done against man. And sometimes it could even be years of shame that has been built up, years of, of guilt that has been built up because what we have done against God. And sometimes we think that what God has done on the cross, what God um, how God spilt his blood on the cross wasn't enough to cover that. But if you read in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12 through 14, if you guys can flip over there real quick. It says in verses 12 through 14, it says, With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our conscience from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a sacrifice for our sins. So again, we might have, this, we might have a heavy conscience of what we have done against the Lord, but how much... Does the blood of Jesus deal with our conscience? How much does the blood of Jesus cleanse us of all of our sin? And in Hebrews 10.22, so a little bit over, it says, Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. So again, Yes, we may have guilt. Yes, we may have shame. But the blood of Jesus, it is enough to cover that. The blood of Jesus is enough to, to heal our conscience, to heal our minds. Um, you know, since the beginning of time, since Adam and Eve, they took of the tree, they bit of the apple, the souls of men have been stained with sin. And over time, it's just gotten worse and worse and worse. Um, it's, it has gotten worse through weird philosophies. It has gotten worse through science. Um, and we see this very clearly today that the stain of sin on mankind has simply only gotten worse over time. But again, there is only one remedy. There is only one cure. There is only one solution to the stain that is on man, and it is the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So I want to share a story with you guys um, that relates to this a little bit. Maybe you guys have heard this one before, but there's a story of this, this young man who, who wore his favorite white shirt to, to school one day. And um, 
This was his only white shirt, and it was his favorite shirt. And during school, on their lunch break, they were eating borscht. And as he was, he was munching down on his borscht super quickly, a little bit fell over onto his white shirt. And this young man, he got super sad, and he got, he got really, really downcasted because this was his favorite one and only white shirt, but he has a red stain on it. And so this young man, he quickly runs to the bathroom, and he grabs a wet rag, and he begins to, to try to rub off this this stain that is on his white shirt, and, and as he rubs it, the stain is only getting bigger, the stain is only getting worse, so later that day, this, this young man, he goes home, and he has his, he has his shirt in his hand, and, and his dad, and his father says, son, what, what is wrong, why, why is your face so disfigured, and the son tells, tells him, dad, my, my favorite white shirt has a red stain on it, and there's no way to get it off, and the father tells the son, he says, my son, I can, I can clean this for you, I can wash this for you, I can make it I can make it brand new, and the son just was in disbelief. He said, Father, I don't know if you can, if you can take care of the stain. It is a red stain on this white shirt, and, he, and the father said, give it to me, son, and I will take care of it. So the son was in disbelief, but he still gave it to the father, and then the very next morning, the son, he walks into his room, and in his room is his, his white t-shirt, and it is completely clean, completely washed, ironed, and set on his bed. And so the son rejoiced, and the father was happy that, this, that the son was happy. And so in the same exact way in our lives, when we get sin in our lives, when we fall in temptation, when we fall into sin, we try to muster up our own strength or our own human wisdom, our ideas, and we try to get rid of the sin on our own, in our own power, in our own strength. But time and time again, and history shows us this through generation and generation, that on our own, we cannot get rid of our sin, and when we do we only make it worse. So that is why the blood of Jesus is here because this is the solution to the stain of sin on our souls. You know, in our own strength, we literally only make it worse. In our own strength, we only make things more confusing. But with the blood of Jesus, that brings healing. That is what cleanses us from all of our sins. So I believe that what God is telling you today, what the Lord is telling to you, he says, my daughter, my son, give me your hearts, and I will wash you with my blood, and I will give you a new heart. So again, the blood of Jesus, it cleanses us from all sin. And now I'd like to go over to point number two, and it is that the blood of Jesus heals us. You know, in the, in the medical fields, if you, have a, if you had a headache, somebody, they'll give you a pill for that, for that headache, and maybe you will have some relief, and the headache will go away for a short time, but after that headache goes away, then your stomach starts to hurt from the, effect of the, from the effect of the pill. And then you take a pill for the stomach ache, and then your stomach feels a little, a little bit better, but now your liver hurts, you see? So there's this paradox because, again, man in our own strength, we don't have the, the true remedy, we don't have the true solution, but the blood of Jesus, it is the one remedy and the one cure that'll take our sin away, and that brings healing to our bodies. If you guys can turn over to I, Isaiah chapter 53 real quick. Isaiah chapter 53. I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, but we see here this is prophecy of, of the coming Messiah. This is prophecy of the Son of God who comes for, this, comes for the sake of the sins of the world to die on the cross, to take the sins of the world upon himself, to take the sickness of the world upon himself, and to bring healing, to bring salvation, and to, and to bring deliverance. And in Isaiah 53, while Jesus was dying to to save you while Jesus was dying to cleanse you from your sin, Jesus was also dying 
to heal you. In verse chapter five, if you check it out, it says that by his stripes or by his wounds, we are healed. It doesn't say that you will be healed or you might be healed, but it says by his stripes, we are healed. You know, and many um, today wonder whether it is God's will to take, to, to heal them, whether it is God's will to take their sickness or disease off of them. And sometimes people get a little bit confused with, with theology, but if we look at Colossians 1, chapter 15, you don't, have to, you don't have to flip over there right now, but it says that Jesus is the perfect image of the invisible God. So if you want perfect theology, if you want to know what the will of God is in your life, then look at Jesus. If you, if you want to know exactly what he wants to do in your life, look at Jesus. Look at the life of Jesus because everywhere that Jesus went, everywhere he stretched his hand, everywhere his feet took him, there was healing, there was salvation, and there was deliverance. Um, in, in Luke chapter 5, we see that a leper, he comes up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, are you willing to heal me? And Jesus says to him, I am willing be healed. And in that instance, that man with leprosy was instantly healed in the name of Jesus. So again, we see what the perfect will of God is, and his will is to heal you. His will is to save you. His will is to cleanse you from your sin. You know, I believe that as Jesus, um, in his three years of ministry on earth, I believe that the devil became very angry with this because the devil, what the devil consists of is to, is to steal, to kill, and destroy. And Jesus, he was bringing life and he was bringing life in abundance. And everywhere he went, there was miracles. Um, he went to the brokenhearted. He went to the captives. And he, he gave freedom to those, to those who needed it. And I believe that the devil did not like this. So what the devil did through evil men to put an end to this was they nailed Jesus' hands to the cross. The devil thought that if we nail his hands to the cross, no longer will, will he be able to stretch out his hands to heal the sick and to bring freedom to those who are captive. If we nail his feet to the cross, no longer can his feet take him to those who are sick, to those who are in bondage, to those who are trapped in their sin, and set them free. And so the devil decided to crucify the Son of God onto a cross. But little did they know that, well, Jesus and the, I mean, uh, the devil and the evil men, little did they know that they were about to make the biggest mistake in history because they were crucifying God himself onto a cross. And as he was on the cross, something really, really amazing began to happen. Because for the first time in the history of mankind, God himself began to bleed. The most powerful substance in the, in the universe began to pour out from God himself on the cross. And for the past 2,000 years, his blood has been flowing throughout the world. And anywhere and everywhere that blood flows, um, there is healing there is deliverance and there is salvation. And I believe that that blood is even flowing in this room today. So again, if you are in need of a cleansing from your sin, if your conscience has been heavy, if the enemy has been attacking you, if you are dealing with sickness, there is a remedy, there is a solution, and there is a cure, and it is in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You know, the woman with the issue of bleeding, for 12 years she had, she had nonstop bleeding, and all she did was touch just the hem of Jesus' garments. But now we are in an eternal blood covenant with Jesus, with God himself, and we have the blood. If we're to receive just one drop of his blood in faith, I believe that we will receive healing to our physical bodies and a cleansing from all of our sin. So again, I went over the fact that the blood of Jesus has the power to cleanse us from all sin. 
and that the, the blood of Jesus has the power to heal our physical bodies. So the third point that I want get to get into is that the blood of Jesus, it saves us. And sometimes we talk, we say, hey, I'm saved or, or he's saved. And sometimes we don't really know what it means to be saved. Like, what are we saved from in the first place? Is it, is it hell? Is it death? And yes, that's a part of it. But in reality, what we are saved from is the wrath of God. Because as humans, as people that have fallen short, as people that have sinned, whether it's, whether it's one lie, whether it's, it's one hateful thought, whether it's one lustful thought, whatever it is, because of God's justice system, because of God's law and, ha- and how justice works, we deserve death, we deserve hell, and we deserve the wrath of God. But the good news is this, that Jesus took our punishment. Because of the blood-spilling sacrifice of Jesus, we don't receive the wrath of God, again, because he has taken our place. If you guys turn to Romans chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. This is one of my favorite books. So much theology, so much truth. It'll bring freedom to a lot of, a lot of our misconceptions. But again, Romans chapter 5, verses 8 through 9. It says, but God demonstrates his own love for us. In this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? So again, Christ has has taken our punishment. We deserve death. We deserve hell. If whether you've sinned one time, whether you've sinned 10 times, whether you've sinned a thousand times, you, you deserve hell. But the good news again is that Jesus Christ has taken our punishments. They nailed him to a cross. He was beaten. He was mocked. He was spit on, on our behalf. He received the full wrath of God. He was nailed to the cross. He died. They buried him in a grave, but he rose on the third, on the third day for our justification and to take our place. So if we repent of our sin and put our faith in him, we can know for 100% that our names will be written in the Lamb's book of life. You know, in the book of Exodus, the children of Israel, they were being persecuted by Pharaoh with, with, um, uh, because Pharaoh didn't want to let them go out of Egypt into the promised land. And so God decided to unleash his, his wrath upon Egypt with many different plagues and What's, what the plague that I specifically want to talk about and the specific wrath of God that I want to talk about is the 10th one where God decides to kill every single firstborn in, um, in every Egyptian home. Um, but God, because he loves his people so much, he gave them a solution. He said, um, my people, if you, if you mark your doorposts with the blood of the lamb, the spirit of death or the, the angel of death that's going to come and kill every firstborn, he is going to go past your home, and, and uh, there won't be chaos, there won't be weeping, there won't be wailing in your home, but there will be protection for your home. And so uh, what the people of God did, they went ahead, and they marked their doorposts with the blood of the lamb. And as the spirit of death came and killed every single firstborn Egyptian, every single firstborn cow or uh, animal, the ones that had the blood, the blood of the lamb on their doorposts were, were safe were secure and were saved from the wrath of God. And so 2,000 years later, John the Baptist, he prophesies of Jesus and he says, behold the Lamb of God. And so now we have Jesus, who is the perfect Lamb of God, without blemish, without defect, who died on our behalf. And I believe that if we, like the Israelites, apply the blood of the Lamb, the blood of Jesus, 
onto the doorposts of our hearts, we will be saved from the wrath of God. And how, like, you can ask, how do I apply the blood of Jesus? This is something that was, that was poured out 2,000 years ago. What, what is it, communion? Is it, is it faith? What is it? Applying the blood of Jesus comes instantly as we repent of our sins, turn away from our sins, and put our faith into the finished work of Jesus. So again, if we apply just a drop of his blood, just a, just a caprica, we will be saved from the wrath of God. We will be cleansed of our, of our sins and we will be healed of our sicknesses. Um, so ch- the fourth point that I wanna get into is that the blood of Jesus, it purchases us. In Acts 20, I'll just, I'll paraphrase as well. You don't have to turn over there. In verse 28, it says that we are purchased by the blood of Jesus. And then you guys can turn over to this one. It says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. It says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was with the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. So um, two verses and then many other times throughout the New Testament we see that we have been purchased, we have been redeemed, we have been bought by the blood of Jesus. So if we have come to the, if we have come to the faith, if we have repented of our sins, if we, if we have begun our walk with Christ, we by right belong to Jesus. Our lives, they no longer belong to us. By right, we belong to Jesus. He bought us with a high price. He didn't buy us with money. Um, he bought us with his, with his innocent blood. And so I'd like to share a, another story with you guys. It is also about a, about a young man, but this was a, a very rich man. And this rich man, he... He just had finished building himself a mansion, and in this mansion, there was 10 rooms. There was five rooms on the top and five rooms on the bottom. And as he finished, as he finished the project, he, he finally came into his home that he built of his, and he sat on the couch, and he relaxed. And, and later in the day, he heard, a, he heard a knocking on the door. And so he went over to the door, and it was, and it was Jesus at the door, shining in all of his glory. And um, and the man was very happy. He said, Jesus, come, come into my home. I, I want you to live with me. I, I want to live with you, Jesus. And so Jesus, he, he came into his home, and, and this young rich man, he, he told Jesus, he said, hey, I want to give you five of the rooms of my house so that you can, you can have half of it, and I'll maybe sleep on the upstairs, and you'll sleep on the downstairs. And Jesus said, okay, thank you so much for the rooms. And so later that night, when, when that young man had went to bed, and... Towards 1 a.m., 2 a.m., he heard, a, he heard an aggressive knocking at the door. And this time when he came up to the door, it was, it was the devil. And the devil, um, he began to try to get in, and this man started wrestling the devil. But then the, the devil, he put a foot in, and then the devil put an arm into the door, and then the devil finally came in. And the whole night, this young man and the devil, they were wrestling back and forth, and the devil was pouring filthy temptations into this young man's mind. He was, he was tormenting him. He was reminding this young man of his past. And for the whole night, they wrestled. And as, as daybreak came, as the sun rose, the devil, he slipped out the back. And then the man went over to his living room. And later in the day, he saw Jesus. And, he, and this young man, he came to Jesus and he said, Jesus, why, did, did you know what happened last night? Why didn't you help me? And Jesus told him, this home, it belongs to you. 
I only have five rooms. And so the man was a little bit confused and he was like, okay, Jesus, I'll give you nine rooms. You can have nine rooms and I'll just have one room to myself. And I wanna keep this one room for myself because in this room, there are some things that I'm, that I'm ashamed about. There's some things that, that I do in this room that nobody should know about. There's some things that I hide under the bed that I don't want anybody to see. There's some things that I am ashamed about that I hide in the closet. So I'm just gonna keep this one room to myself. And Jesus, you have all nine rooms. And so Jesus, he replied, okay. And the, uh, that same night, as the man had, had went to bed, again, there was a terrible knocking at the door. And so the man is confused and he, he gets up again. He goes to the door and again, it's the devil himself. And the devil, he, this time he breaks in very easily and then the same thing, he's pouring filthy temptations into the young man's mind. He is tormenting him. He is reminding the man of his past and they're wrestling the whole entire night. And then the same thing happens. When daybreak comes, comes when the sun rose, the devil, he slipped out the back and then the young man went over to the living room, very tired, very worn out. He, pretty much hasn't slept in two days. And this time when he, see, when he sees Jesus coming down the steps, he's almost angry and sad at the same time at Jesus. He says, Jesus, why didn't you help me? Did you not know that the devil was tormenting me last night? Did you not know that the devil was, was tempting me last night? Jesus, aren't you the son of God? Jesus, aren't you the one who protects? Aren't you the one who, who has the power over the enemy? And Jesus replies to the young man and he says, Young man, this home, it still belongs to you. You have the title deed of this house. You were the owner of this house. It belongs to you. It is written in your name. And so the young man, he finally realizes that if the house is his, if he is the owner of the house and the title deed of the house is his own, that means that the young man, he has to be the, he has to be the protector, he has to be the provider, and he has to be the one who stands up against the enemy. And so the man finally understands. He's like, okay, Jesus, I want to give you everything. I'm giving you absolutely everything. I'm giving you all of the rooms. I'm giving you the title deed to the house. You be the owner, Jesus, because I want you to be the master. I want you to be the Lord. I want you to be the protector. And so Jesus is very happy about the decision that the young man makes. And later that night, there is another knock to the young man's surprise. And this time, the young man is very confused because he has done what he needs to do. And so the young man, he still, he goes over to the front door and just as he's about to open the door, this time Jesus himself touches, that, touches the young man's shoulder and Jesus shining in all of his glory, he says, my son, I am the master of this home. The title deed is in my name now. Now I am the protector, I am the savior, I am the Lord of this house and the Lord over your life. And so Jesus, he opens the door and he sees the devil and then the devil, he begins to tremble. The devil begins to step back and he looks at the, at the, the house number and then he looks at, the, at Jesus, he looks at the house number and looks at Jesus again and he says, most high king, son of God, I am sorry, I got the wrong house. And so in this story, we see that the young man, he, at first he gave 50% of his home, which resembles our life. Maybe he gave 50% of his life to Jesus. And then he gives 90% of his life to Jesus, but none of that works. Nothing seems to be going good for the young man. The devil is still attacking him. And then finally, Jesus tells him, give, give me everything. Let me be the Lord of your life. Let me be the master of your life. And in that, there was victory. In that, there was freedom. In that, there was protection from the fiery arrows of the enemy. And so in our life, so often we give Jesus just 50% of our lives. So often we only give Jesus 90% of our lives. 
but Jesus, he is a consuming fire. Like brother was preaching today, Jesus, he is a jealous God. Jesus, he wants all of our life. He doesn't want just a part of our life. He doesn't only want our Sunday morning worship. He doesn't only want, only want our Tuesday night, Tuesday night worship. He doesn't only want us to wear Christian apparel and, and continue in sin and continue living an ungodly lifestyle. Jesus, he wants every single part of us. He is a consuming fire, and by right, we have been bought by his blood. He has, again, he has paid a high price, not a low price. He didn't buy us with silver or gold, but he has bought us with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So again, we belong to Jesus, and Jesus wants to be the Lord of our life. I believe that today, if we give 100% of our life, of, of our life to Jesus, Jesus is going to cleanse us of all of our sin. Jesus is going to heal us of our sickness. Jesus is going to save us from our sin and save us from the wrath of God. And then again, Jesus, we belong to Jesus. So today I want to lead us into a prayer. I want to lead us into a prayer of repentance, a prayer of rededication to God. Maybe some of us have backslidden into sin. Maybe some of us have been, have been very tempted lately Maybe have some of us have been going back to our old lifestyles. Maybe some of us are going through these cycles of sin and we don't know what the solution is. We, we come to church every Sunday. We're, we're reading and we're praying and we don't know what the solution is to the, to the overcoming of sin. What is the solution to having real victory as a Christian? What is it? And I want to tell you today that it is in the precious and powerful blood of Jesus Christ. And again, if, you, if today you receive just one drop of his blood, just one drop with faith, just one drop with repenting of our sin and putting our faith into the finished work of the cross, I believe that something very special will happen, that you will receive deliverance, you will receive freedom, you will receive healing and salvation. So if we could all stand up for prayer, I want you, I want you guys to start thinking about, of, thinking about how life has been lately. Are we, are we in defeat to sin? Are we in defeat to the devil? Have we, been, have we been living in active sin? Have we, have we been living ungodly? Have we been living only 50% Christian lives? Have we been living lukewarm lifestyles? Have we forsaken our first love? And if so, I want to call us to a time of repentance, a time of rededication. Jesus, he loves us. Jesus gave up his life for us and he wants us to have a real relationship with him. So in this prayer, if you feel a tug on your heart, if you feel like Jesus is calling you back into real relationship with him, if you feel like you were in need of a drop of the blood of Jesus, if you are in need of healing, if you are in need of deliverance from, from, from the enemy, then I want to call you to the front for you to, maybe some of the brothers will pray over you today for you to receive the blood of Jesus, for you to receive Christ into your heart. Um, maybe, maybe you guys have never heard the, the full gospel message and haven't really understood what it means. Again, the bad news is that we deserve death, hell, and the grave. But the good news is this, that Christ has taken our punishment. And if we, come, if we come to him, and if we want to get right with him, God is very pleased and very happy with that. All we have to do from our side is repent, turn away, and put our faith into the finished work of Jesus. So as we lift our voices again, if there's a tug on your heart, I ask that you would come to the front. We will pray with you. And again, you are not coming to man, but you are coming to God himself. So let's lift our voices and cry out to God. Hallelujah.